Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Word of the Lord that we feel for our church body, our church family, that we are to steward is the word increase, that this would be a, a year of increase. And I, I, the cool thing is that if you're part of this community of faith, then it's not just a word for our family. That's a word for your family. It's a word for this house, but it's a word for your house. And spiritual maturity is seen in being able to steward moments and the word of God into seasons. It's, it's one thing to hear a word and it's like, that's awesome, that's great. Well, if you don't steward that prophetic word over your life, don't be surprised if you don't see that prophetic word necessarily come to pass because a lot of prophetic words is a partnership where God gives you something. He gives you some instruction. He, he firms a mission inside of you. Now it's up to you to take with that and then run with it. And we believe that this will be a year of increase. And there are, there are four key areas, really five, but we only got through four. The four key areas, or five key areas, was that we would increase in daily personal encounters. That we would increase as a church with our corporate encounters with God, which is what we were doing this morning. Number three is that this would be a year where we increase in laborers and leaders. Jesus said the harvest is ready. Like there's more than enough people that are hungry. There's more than enough people in Costa Mesa, in Orange County, that are desperate for the things of God. We don't need more harvest. We need more laborers. And so we're believing this is going to be an increased year of laborers and also leaders that would be raised up to take their, their, their place in the body. We also are believing for an increase in reaching the lost. Like this isn't a country club. Like there's, there, there, we don't want to create just a place where we gather together just on Sundays and go away. We do this every single week. It's awesome. It's great. And I hope you encounter God today. But part of our mission is to take this God encounter outside of the walls of this church. Amen. So we want to reach the lost, which leads into some of the things that we talked about at the end of last year with some of our initiatives uh, heading into 2024, the legacy offering that you guys gave to us. And, if, uh, and then the last one was that this we would see an increase in resources. And I'm believing for an increase in kingdom resources. Not just like enough money to go have a boat or a great vacation. I'm talking about kingdom resources where God would begin to be able to deposit things into our hands as a community of faith that we could use for the glory of God. I remember a few years ago, a young couple was praying and believing for a house, and we were praying and believing with them, and, 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 and they, they were able to get the house. And my challenge to them was, when you have a house, open it up to other people. And they did that, and they've seen God fill that house with people and, and young families. Whatever God gives you, he gives you for a purpose. So I'm going to believe in that we would have kingdom minds, kingdom eyes to be able to see and receive all that he has for us. So if you missed that sermon, you can watch or you can listen to it online. And I'm asking everybody uh, in the community of Authentic Church, if you missed it, I want you to go on podcast or YouTube this week and listen. Will you do that? Um, thank you so much. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> Well, hey, turn with me to John chapter 5, and we're going to get into the Word today. John chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to grab mine. John, or excuse me, not John chapter 5, John 15. I almost led you astray. As you're turning there, I just want to give you a little backstory. I know there's some people here that are new to the Bible, uh, new to faith, and you're 
you're like, what's the book of John? <laughs> the Bible consists of 66 books in one book. And there was an Old Testament, Testament means covenant, and then there's a new, new covenant, the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the first books that start off, the first four books of the New Testament, it's all about Jesus. Basically, the Old Testament was before Jesus came onto the scene, and then the New Testament was Jesus and onwards in the beginning of the birth of the church. And so when you read through the, the Gospels, you'll find that there's four. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're the names of the people, the writers, and they wrote from different perspectives. And the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, are referred to a lot of times as the synoptic gospels. Synoptic, it's 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 through one view. They're looking at they're, they're very closely related. They tell a lot of the same stories, but just from different perspectives. But then there's the Gospel of John. And the Gospel of John actually contains about 90% of information that's unique to the other gospels. And Jesus was known as a storyteller. Like he loved to tell stories. You know, people ask me all the time, like, you know, when, when we're talking about church, they're like, do you, do you preach exegetically and going through the Bible line by line, precept upon precept? Do you, do you preach topically? And, and I'm a fan of both. Uh, Jesus was primarily a topical guy. Like, if you go through and you read his, his sermons and what he shared out, what he would use is a lot of times he would use something that was going on or seen in the culture, and he would use it as an example, a metaphor, and then he would tie it into a, a truth. And so when we're reading through the Bible, we're looking for truths that we can hold on to and truths that we need to live by. Every word of God is either a truth or it's a command. So a truth, it's like that could be true. And it could be a simple truth, like they crossed the Red Sea. Okay, that, that, that's a truth, okay? Or it could be a command. Follow the Lord your God all the days of your life, and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a command there, and there's a promise that's attached to it. So all, of, all the scripture is either a truth or a command. And the Gospel of John, he spends five chapters unpacking a moment with Jesus that all the other writers only just kind of mentioned in the chapter. And that is really the last supper, so the last night before Jesus was betrayed, all the way up into the Garden of Gethsemane when he was turned over to soldiers. And so John actually unpacks and spends five chapters sharing that. Chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17. And smack dab in the middle is chapter 15. And that's where we're going to pick it up today. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to dive into God's word. God, I thank you that your word is holy. Your word is a light to our path. For those that are going through a dark time, I pray that your word would illuminate the path before them. God, that you can illuminate the best course of action to take. Illuminate for them. God, show them. Speak to us today, all of us. God, I believe you got a word for every single person under the sound of my voice. And I pray, God, that you would speak. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. I pray you touch our minds to be able to understand something we never understood before. I pray you touch our eyes to see something in the word that we never saw before. And I thank you for the richness of your text. God, I pray that, that we would have hearts to believe you. And that we would walk out of this place changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 
John chapter 15, we'll take it from verse 1. He said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. This is Jesus talking. He's sharing with his disciples, sitting around a table, having an intimate moment, teaching them. This is the last words. This is the last time he's going to spend with them before he goes to the cross. I'm the true vine. My Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are, all, are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Everybody say the word. You are already clean because of the word. The word makes you clean. Then he goes on to say, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. <laughs> if anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches, they're picked up, they're thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Jesus is saying, if you remain in me, you're going to bear fruit. If you remain in me, you're going to bear fruit. So he's sitting there with his disciples and he's telling them he's going away. If he's going away, how are they going to remain in him? How is that going to work? If you remain in me, you're going to bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. God wants us all to bear fruit. In fact, Jesus is saying that they'll know that you're a disciple, that I'm, you're going to, we're going to be known by each other's fruit. So if there's no fruit in our lives, then the question is, am I attached? If I'm not seeing fruit in my marriage, is my marriage fully attached to the vine? Do I, as the leader, the husband, need to do something to reattach my wife and I to the vine? If we're having issues with our family and our children, you got to go, okay, Lord, I, I understand that there's something special about being close to you. And this parenting thing, it's hard. It's it changes every day. <laughs> and if you don't remain in Him, then your family may not bear fruit. Your business that you're trying to get off the ground, the job that you're working so hard at, your career path, your vocation, your school, your ministry, is it fully dedicated to the Lord? Are you remaining in the Lord? Or are you building something for yourself? A lot of times if you don't build it with Jesus, not for Him, with Him, and that's different, you're building it with Him, when you go to work, you're going to work with your father. You work as unto the Lord. You're co-laboring with Jesus if you desire him to be part of your business, and I recommend you do. If you invite him into that place, then you're building with him. And you're remaining in him. And as you remain in him, you'll have fruit. Now, sometimes before you see the fruit, the pruning happens. And man, the pruning, it's rough. Pruning can be rough. I remember we had a, we were about to have an event at our house. My wife was having our 
uh, a bunch of ladies from the church, and they're going to come to our backyard, and they're going to have this big brunch and everything else. And, and, and we have this, this guy that was trimming some of the, the trees in the back and everything like that. And I said, hey, can you trim down this hedge? We have this hedge along the back wall. And can you trim it down? And, and when, I, when I tell people something, like I used to manage a bunch of people back in the business world. I've had hundreds of employees and all this stuff. And I, and I always found myself like I needed to repeat myself several times. My wife says, honey, you do that to us. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she says. And so, so we're, 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 you know, I'm, I'm going to this guy. I just want to make sure that he fully understands. I'm like, can, can you, can you trim this hedge down a little bit? I just, I want it green, but I want it trimmed it down. And so I, I, and he's like, I get it. I got it. Like, he's like, dude, I do this for a living. Like, go, you know, you're in my lane, you know, like go. And so, so I leave. And then my wife grabs me. Did you see the hedge? I'm like, no, I didn't. And I go outside and look. And the brother cut it down where it's just like so ugly and dark and pruned. I'm like, I don't even know if the hedge is going to grow again. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Sometimes when the Lord prunes you, it can feel that way. Like that that hedge was bare and naked, man. Like, like, Like there wasn't a green plant on the hedge, you know? I'm like, bro. And my wife is about to have this women's event the next day. And I'm like, honey, sorry. He's like, hey, I need to come back to do the rest. And Paul's like, no. <laughs> so he never came back. So if you come over and see my backyard, the way it is, it's because that guy got fired. So. <laughs> a rooted life is a fruit-filled life. Come on, who wants to bear fruit in their lives, right? How many of you want the Lord to bear fruit and do something through your life? Remain in the vine. Is it that easy? Actually, yes. <laughs> Actually, yes, it is. It is that easy to remain in the vine. Now, you got to make a conscious effort, choice, decision to remain in the vine. But that's on you. That's not on him. Second Chronicles 69 says this. The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God wants to strengthen you. Sometimes you don't realize it because you feel weak because you're doing it in your own strength. And God's like, I'll lift that for you if you want me to. I'll take that if you want me to. I'll help you sleep better at night if you'll ask me to help you. I'll help you carry that burden if you'll ask me to. Like he's just waiting for you to ask him. And the strengthening comes when you're fully committed to him. You want to be strengthened in the Lord? Get in the line. Just like the covenant of marriage, being committed to God isn't a one-time event at the altar. Which, by the way, was that so beautiful this morning? Seeing everybody at the altar praying and worshiping? I believe God blesses God's heart. You know, our church, you know, we desire the presence of God. And, and in doing so, that means sometimes you go off the playbook. Right? Man makes his plans, but the Lord directs his steps. Well, that is even true of the Sunday morning church service. The, the covenant of marriage didn't just happen one time at an altar for Fawn and I. That's when we began, but it's lived out in a daily commitment with her. 21 years strong, it'll be 22 this April. Come on. Thank you, thank you for that. And, and the same is true with the, with the commitment that you make in Christ. It's not, it's not a one-time event. And when we've sold, the church has sold a, a bill of goods to a lot of people that said, if you just pray this prayer, if you just say, Lord, will you forgive me? Then, then you're, you're going to spend all of eternity in heaven, and that's where they stop. 
Now, can that, make it, can that happen? Absolutely. But that's the beginning of the relationship. That's not the end all of the relationship. It's not like you can make a covenant commitment at the altar one day and just go live like this in the next. If I did that in my marriage, we wouldn't be married anymore. Same is true with our life in Christ. The question to, for you is, what does your daily commitment to the Lord look like? Like, honestly, that's just for you. That's, you don't need to answer. <laughs> but what does your daily commitment to God look like? What does the daily commitment look like? If you, I, When I say, what's a daily commitment look like in your marriage? You know what that means. When I ask, what's a daily commitment on your job? You can say, I show up there at eight. I do this, that, the other. I have a break here. I have certain things that I'm responsible for, duties, responsibility. I have goals that I'm achieving. If I ask you what your daily commitment is on your job, you can tell me like that. What does your daily commitment look like? What are some facets of it? Just you and God. I'm not saying to be religious, but there are certain patterns. There's a discipline in our lives that foster spiritual growth. What does your daily commitment look like? I can tell you what Jesus' daily commitment looked like. It looked like Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went out to a secluded place and was praying there. There's something about the morning time. And I want to challenge you, encourage you, lovingly pastor you, set your alarm, put it on your calendar. We put so many things on our calendar. If you have an important appointment, it's on your calendar. I would encourage us to put a calendar appointment in your calendar today for what time and when you're going to be meeting with God tomorrow. And it's that discipline that's going to remind you. Now, you don't have to do, you know, like mine's at 6 a.m. You don't have to do yours from 6 to 6.30. Like, 6.30, all right, good meeting, God. Have a good one. i got to go on with my day. That's not what he's looking for. It's, it's just a daily discipline. It's an invitation, right? Same way that there's a good daily discipline of brushing your teeth. And if you didn't brush your teeth this morning after service, just don't talk too close to me. <laughs> so our daily encounter with God is so important to put God first. And the daily encounter is our own responsibilities. It's, 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 not, it's not your spouse's responsibility, your pastor's responsibility. It's not your kid's responsibility. It's our own responsibility to own our daily encounter. Daily encounters are so vital. Without your daily encounter, I'm telling you what will happen over the course of your life. If you go through a season of not having an encounter time with God, of not making God a priority, you go through a season like that, I'm going to tell you what happens is your spirit is going to look sick and anemic. Kind of like the church in America in a lot of ways, unfortunately. Like the guy who, you look at his legs and he just got out of a cast. And he's the guy in the gym that looked like he never did like that, right? Like that's, that's what your life will look like if we don't put God first. What would your spiritual life look like if you only ate... If, what, would your, what, what would your physical life look like if it matched your spiritual life? Meaning, what if you only ate food as much as you spiritually encountered God? What would your spirit look like if you only ate food to the degree that you encountered God? It'd be kind of sickly for some people. And if that's where it's at, that's where it's at. Great. Draw a line in the sand and today is a new day for you. It's, it's, it's hard. A lot of people... They go through seasons, and when they're not seeking God, they hit a bump. And when I mean a bump, I mean it's like there's a fork in the road, 
you go through a hard time. I don't know how I'm going to process this. I have this job offer. They're laying off. I don't know what I'm going to do for school. If you're not encountering God, you get to this moment where it's like, oh God, I need a word from you. And you know, how many know God actually does take 911 calls? He does. He does take 911 calls. But there's also a better way to live where you don't have to feel like every time you reach out to God, it's a 911 call. <laughs> and that's by abiding in Him. Just abiding in Him, staying in the body. There's a better way just to stay with God. Be with Him every single day. It keeps you, it keeps us fresh. You know, we uh, we planted authentic church. Fawn and I, we moved here from Texas. Um, we uh, were the only humans, I think, that moved from Texas to California uh, in, in 2019, right at the end, right before the world went crazy in 2020. It was wild. And, uh, and we literally had been in the process back in Texas where we were, we were finishing our, our, our dream house. Like, it had two dishwashers in it. Uh, we were blue taping it. It was so nice. And we had a business, and the business was rocking and rolling, and it was just amazing. Just unreal. And as we're blue taping the house, which was like a dream, and I would say it's a dream. And we're blue taping this house, and we just felt as we're doing it, and God says, this isn't what I have for you. And so we walked away from that deal, and we're like, well, now I feel like my hedge. I feel naked and bare, and I have nothing to hold on to. Like, what is going on in my life? And we walked away from that, and we began to, in 2019, we started the year with 40 days of prayer and fasting. And we were like, God, you have to speak to us. If it's to remain in this area, we're going to remain. And we're going to go all in. If it's, if it's to go here, we're going to go. If, if it's to build a business, we're going to build a business. But we had this inside of us, this desire, this 20-year cycle of always coming back to the fact that God had called us to sometime to plant a church. We just didn't know when. And then God said, it's go time. So we move here, and as soon as we move here, the world goes nuts, and then you can't meet anybody. Well, if you're planting a church, kind of part of the goal is that there would be people that you would do it with, you know? And it was like I was reminded, you know, that the Lord was present with two or three witnesses. And it was like Vaughn and I and our kids, you know. And so we started the church and we're meeting a few people. And then uh, and then there was an edict that came down, a mandate that was pronounced um, from the, the, the governor's office that said, okay, there's too much unknown right now. It's uh, June 2020. He said, there's no singing in churches. You can't sing in churches anymore. And I'm like... Lord, I came here, I literally put all of the money I had in the house and all of my business money into a church plant, and we can't plant. <laughs> and so we had some friends that said, hey, we're going to do a worship night in Huntington Beach. Do you guys want to come? We're like, yes. Like, we'd love to just see another human, right? And so we go, we go to the beach, we have a worship night, and then as worship's going, kind of there was some unexpected things, kind of like what happened today, and then in the middle of worship, somebody gets up and just shares their testimony of what God did in their life, how that they were living and walking in sin, and God showed himself to them, and God showed up and transformed their life, and they said, if you want to give your life to Christ today, now is the day, now is the time. It's no accident that you're here, standing here on this beach to hear the word of God. He wants to save you. All you have to do is put your faith and hope and trust in Jesus. But they prayed a prayer, and then we turned and walked with them down to the Pacific Ocean and baptized them right there in the coolest baptismal tank ever. And then they started coming to our house, some of them. 
And then our house was full, and then we went to a park, and from a park to a hotel, and to a hotel, and to here. And during that time, there was no playbook for how to plant a church. In fact, the church planting group that we were part of, they're like, uh, yeah, we have no idea what to do. And we've never seen this before. We've never seen a global pandemic before. Um, maybe you guys wait to plant. And I'm like, my house is still with like 30 people that just met Jesus. Like, I mean, I'm thinking we're already going, you know? And so I talked to my pastor and he's like, bro, you're in California. No building will rent to you. Go meet at a park. So we went meet at a park. But how did we make it through that season? We made it through that season because we had daily encounter times with God and we decided, you know what, even though the church is closed and even some of the churches we wanted to go to just to kind of see what's going on in Orange County, a lot of them were closed and we could we said, you know what, could church in our living room with just our family together, could we have church just for his glory and nobody else's? Could we have church just around the presence of God and not around the personalities and presence of people? And so the six of us would have church by ourselves. And that's where it all began. I'm telling you, there's things that are probably coming to America in 2024 and most likely to the church this year. That if you don't have a firm foundation rooted and if you're not attached to the vine, I think you might end up like the sad part of the parable that Jesus shared. The story of the gardener and the, the vine that wasn't attached and it withered and it died and they grabbed those and it got thrown in the fire. I don't want to lose any. I want to see your life flourishing. So I want to encourage you. Spend time every single day encountering God. He's giving you an invitation today. Abide and encounter Him. You know, one of the uh, attributes of authentic church, we actually, we, we feel so strong that we said our vision is this, to encounter God. Go back one slide. Our vision is to, back one slide, there you go. Encounter God, discover community, and fulfill God's call in our life. Do you know why? Ask me why. Ask me why is this our vision? Do you know why this is our vision? Because I've never seen a Christian that lived in, that ran the race where they finished strong. I never see somebody actually do that that didn't have God encounters. I've just never met them. And I never saw somebody that actually lived out the Great Commission without a sense of community. And sadly, there's a lot of Christians, man, they've been living for God for 20 years. I know them, you know them, hopefully you're not them. But there's some people that have been living for God for 20 years, they don't even know their Bible. If you ask them, why should I be baptized, they wouldn't even be able to tell you. Why should I go to church? They wouldn't even be able to unpack that. But what's the doctrine of the laying on the hands? Paul said that that's actually elementary teaching. They wouldn't even be able to share that. 20 years they've been walking with the Lord. I'm just saying it's encouragement. That's why this is part of our vision. And I don't believe this is just our vision or some fancy saying. I believe that this is God's vision for every single person. That you would encounter him. Like he wants to encounter you every single day. Just like Jesus got up early and went and had an encounter with God before he carried out the mission of God. How many know so should we? If you're going to do anything for the Lord, you're going to need that daily encounter time. And I'm speaking for 20 years of God encounters. And man, I had some seasons where I did not prioritize God. I had seasons where I went weeks without reading my Bible, praying, life was good, cruising, working, making money. But I wasn't encountering God. And then a 
bump happens and you need a word of the Lord now. It's hard to get a word of the Lord now when you're not prioritizing God in his word. So our church, one of our attributes is we're a presence-driven church. There you go. We say it like this. We value the presence of God over programs, performance, personalities. His presence distinguishes us from the world. That was one of the beautiful things of just having that moment at the altar this morning. Some of you may have never done that before. Some of you, that might have been really awkward. And this is maybe the first time you ever came to an altar. How do you feel now? Like, isn't that beautiful? Like, when you do something, sometimes the Lord challenges, pushes on your comfort zone. I don't feel comfortable. The Lord cares, but He wants you to be uncomfortable. Comfortably, comfortably uncomfortable. We're a presence-driven group. So benefits of daily encounter. So I'm going to give you just a few benefits to a daily encounter. This is not an exhaustive list. I only have another two hours before my time is done. So this is not an exhaustive list. That was a joke. <laughs> this is not an exhaustive list. It's just a, just, I just wanted to give you a few aspects of what your daily encounter time. Like if I hold it down, whether, what would I say the big three? This would be some of them. Number one, daily encounters keeps your friendship with the Lord fresh in your heart here. When you encounter God every single day, that relationship with God, it's fresh. There's a freshness. There's a purity in your heart. You actually want to do things that please God. There's a purity to your motives. There's a purity in your marriage, your relationship, how you talk to people. When you have that daily encounter with God, there's a freshness. Spending time with the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, there's, there's refreshing. In the book of Acts, when all these people get saved and the Holy Spirit is poured out, it said, it said, and then times of refreshing came. How many just want some more times of refreshing this year? Comes in the presence of God. Number two, daily encounters lower your propensity to sin. It, it lowers the pull that you have towards sin. You, you want to walk free of sin this year? Prioritize your daily encounters. You'll feel a conviction when you prioritize the daily encounter because you get in the presence of God and He's going to deal with that. <laughs> Whatever that may be, He's going to deal with it. Prioritize that daily encounter. James 4 says this, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, devil and He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Man, don't forget that. Draw near to him, and he'll draw near to you. You want to get near to God? Just draw near. Just take a step near to him. Prioritize him. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, this is James. James, if you recall, this is the little brother of Jesus. The fact that he admires his brother so much and says... He's the Christ. Okay, like, like you can almost just read the book of James and go, that's proof enough for me. If the little brother says that the older brother is the Messiah, he's probably the Messiah. <laughs> and James is saying, hey, if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Where is he saying this from? Where, where did he learn this? He learned this from his brother. His brother taught him, James, if you'll just draw near to God, God's going to draw near to you. 
Cleanse, cleanse yourself. Like, it'll wash your heart. Draw near to God. He's going to draw near to you. Number three, daily encounters give you faith to trust God at his word because you know him. You'll be able to trust God when he tells you to do something that seems ridiculous because you know him. It'll give you faith to trust him at his word. Every aspect. To trust God at his word, sometimes that's hard. Like to trust him at his word, yeah, you'll have faith to tithe because I trust God at his word. You'll have faith to strong, stand strong when you feel temptation because I trust God at his word. That if God's calling me to give something up, it's because he has something better for me. So I'm going to trust him at his word. When you prioritize your daily encounter with God, you'll have faith to trust him when it feels uncomfortable. Anybody been uncomfortable by something God asked you to do? Go share the gospel with that person. Go pray for that person. Invite that coworker to church. Invite that person from school to go to, to, to Monday night circuit ride or something. He challenges you because he loves you and he doesn't want you to be immature and weak. He wants you to be strong and he's going to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to them. They give you faith to do what God's word says. The goal of your daily encounter time is not to feel God. It's for God to feel you. To feel you. My God is there. He's like, my son came into the room this morning. My daughter came into the room this morning. When my kids come downstairs, I got one of them, my youngest, August. He's like me. He's the first one up in the house. You know, like this kid was like born, shot out of a cannon, ready to go for And he's usually the first one down. No matter what I'm doing, I pause, put it aside, and he comes and he embraces me, gives me a morning kiss, and usually we sit and snuggle for a little bit, talk about how his night was, life, and then it's time to get ready. There's something so special about that to me as a father. And I pray there's something so special for that for my son. Your heavenly father looks at your time in the morning with him. It's special. And maybe you're here today and you've never just had a moment where at the start of your day you just came in sat in your dad's lap for a second. Or you just said good morning. Good morning, morning. I'm so grateful. Thank you for this day. Thank you for being my father. Thank you for loving me. I want to encourage you this week prioritize your daily encounter. Next week we're going to unpack a little bit more of that. Hosea 10 chapter 12 says this, sow for yourselves righteousness Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord. Come on, can we say that together? It is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. Everybody, when you walked in today, you should have been given one of these daily prayer cards. If you didn't, we have more. If we're out, there'll be a link that gets sent out to a resource drive where you can download for your own. But this is a daily prayer card. And the daily prayer card basically is the Lord's Prayer. 
I like to call it the disciples' prayer because in it, Jesus unpacks the Lord's prayer, but one of the things that he teaches them to pray was to forgive, seek forgiveness for the sins you've committed, but Jesus didn't commit any sins. So it wasn't necessarily this exact prayer that the Lord prayed, but it's when he taught his disciples to pray. So we put this into an easy-to-understand daily prayer card. And in it, it has different sections. And the prayer card is divided up just the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. It's interesting. Jesus, when his disciples came to him, they saw the source of his power wasn't just his preaching. It was amazing. It wasn't his teaching. It was powerful. You know the source of his power they could see? It was his prayer life. There's something special. So when they came to him and they asked him, can you teach us something? He said, yeah, what do you want me to teach you? He said, you? They said, will you teach us how to pray? I've never seen somebody pray like this man. God wants to elevate your prayer life with your daily encounters. So we have this daily prayer card. Now, it's, it's a guide. Don't get lost in it. It's good to recite it. It helps to keep your mind focused so that you're not turning to your phone and whatever else might be trying to get your attention. It just helps to keep your focus. But in it, we unpack the different aspects of the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray and all the different sections. And you can fill in the blanks and you can pray for other people and their needs and your personal needs, financial needs, people you're believing to know Jesus. And so we pray this will be an awesome resource for you. I want to encourage you, church, use it. Use it every single day. I keep a few of them around the house, one in my Bible, a couple in my cars. I give them away like hotcakes to people. So hopefully you have one of those. If you didn't get one when you came in, we'll be able to send that out and be able to download it. As we close today, I'm going to have the, the prayer team come back up and we're going to close out. Here, the worship team come up. Excuse me, worship team. I just want to ask us all to just stand, if you will. loves you so much and wants to encounter you. And he's not looking for a religious check the box. He's looking for just that daily time with you. But if you're gonna if you're gonna abide in the mind, you're gonna have to prioritize what that daily encounter would be. And maybe you've not put a priority on it the seasons you've been in or your church experience or your brand new to the faith and this all of this is new it's as simple as having a conversation the way you would with a great friend you can have a conversation that pure unreligious authentic, real, genuine with God. Years ago, I was walking on my own, not a relationship with Christ. I was a young man. And when I was 21 years old, I prayed the prayer that forever changed my life. And I literally just prayed, God, if you're real, I want to know you. I prayed a lot of prayers. I even prayed the sinner's prayer before that time. And I had gone to church some, but I would not say that I had a relationship with Jesus. Some of you today, you're like me at that moment where I was. And today, God is inviting you into not to go to church, not to join a church, 
not to choose a religion. He's inviting you into relationship with him. And the only way you have relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. And it's as simple as recognizing that he truly is the Messiah. He truly is the Son of God. Billions of people this morning are celebrating all around the world the birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And he is God. The way to God is through relationship that begins with calling on the name of the Lord. So I just want to invite you, if you're here today and you've never made that declaration, you've never made that commitment, today is your day and you simply say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Will you wash me clean? Would you remove sin? God, I want to know you. I want to know you more. And when you pray that from an earnest heart, from an honest heart, when you pray that, it does not make sense, but in a moment, something shifts. And for all of eternity, now your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And now he says, will you let me lead your life? And I just want to encourage you, if you're going to let God lead your life, one of the greatest things you can do is to make that commitment just every day. God, I want to encounter you. Every day I want to encounter you. God, every day we want to encounter you. God, every day I want to encounter you. I want to know you more, God. I want to understand you more. I want to hear your voice. I don't want to live in the flesh. I don't want to get easily offended. God, remove all offense. It's hard to offend a dead man. But if you're living in the flesh and you never let the flesh die, you're going to live offended. God, today we turn to you. God, we pray that you would just root out any pride, root out anything in our lives, in our hearts that's not of you. God, we make a fresh commitment today to you. God, that this year is going to be a year marked by encounters every single day. Not a day off just because it's a holiday or it's a vacation. God, we want to encounter you every single day. And God, I pray that your people would encounter you so beautifully that there would be testimony after testimony of what you said, what you did. So Lord, I pray, God, I pray in grace upon every person here. And I pray in discipline upon every person here. God, to wake up and the first thing that we do is praise you. God, that we live our lives daily encountering you. In Jesus' name, amen. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.